episode 21 of the Paul George Show welcomes Father Bryce Sibley. Doing those types of things, erecting straw men and tearing them down without really looking at what the other person is saying or whatever is happening that's so controversial isn't helping the dialogue at all. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Father Bryce Sibley. We also discuss surfing with sharks, dangerous mountain driving, and the art of conflict. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the awe-inspiring Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you today in studio with the world traveler, Adam Conk. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Look, you're a Louisiana man, so it's not often that or ever that we get snow down here. So you took your family on a little trip to Colorado. The Colorado. Yeah, we went to Colorado Springs, which I I learned was the second biggest city in Colorado. Yeah, there's not many cities in Colorado, actually. It's a big state, but it's kind of, you know. A lot of mountains there, apparently. A lot of mountains, a lot of rural areas. So you have Denver, then you have like Colorado Springs and Boulder, but ultimately... You know, outside of that, there's not a lot of towns. Yeah, and we went to Colorado Springs. We also took a day trip to Denver, and it was wonderful. My kids, look, we went up uh, Pikes Peak, which is like the Colorado Springs mountain. Yep, been there. And they played in the snow to their heart's content in the mountain. It was wonderful. So it's small world. You're in Denver in a (laughs) museum, and you see someone who, who knows me. You called me the world traveler. Apparently, it's you. So we get out of the Children's Museum in Denver, Right, right. And this, we start talking to this lady, and I wear a cross, and she says, "Oh, you're Catholic." And we find out she's from Lafayette. Oh, I'm from New Orleans. So if you're Catholic and from Lafayette, you know Paul and Gretchen George. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, just we, randomly, yeah, in Denver. Yeah, we do. So we met one of your friends right outside a children's museum in Denver. Hey, it's small world. You probably have those people all over the place. There you go. If I went to Alaska, it would be a, a Paul fan. So y'all didn't fly there. You drove road trip. So you're yeah. like dad of the year. Piled well, your kids in a minivan. <laughs> no, it's it's a legit van now. A we, big van, we do I have mean. a minivan, but we got one of these twelve passenger deals. That's right, which makes all the difference in the world. Right, and we watched Frozen three times. You know, Curious George a few times. Y'all just went at it. Oh, we did. They did yeah. great. I was very. Proud you got a snowball fight. Oh, we did. We you did. have to. And I, I won. Of course, Dad's got to <laughs> win at the snowball fight. But apparently, it's harder to build a snowman. Yeah. Than I thought. You know, being from Louisiana, I don't have much practice. But so when I was a kid. We had this massive snowstorm in Louisiana. It's the first time ever. And it, it just happened to be like during Christmas break. It's awesome. And I was so excited that I ran outside in just shorts and nothing else on. <laughs> no socks, no shoes, no coat, no anything. And I maybe I was five, six, seven, eight years old. I can't remember exactly. And my parents found out and punished me from the snow. Dang. Now, it's not... So, so if you get punished from snow up north, it's like, oh, okay, well, next week I can play in the <laughs> snow. <laughs> well, they punished me from the snow, and literally I never got to play in snow again. <laughs> again, ever. <laughs> uh, because it never snowed again. You know, like like it was going to happen the next year in Louisiana. So Did you vow to like never do that to your own kids? Like I'll never punish them from snow. So I got, you know, it it was just like this embedded memory in my mind. (laughs) So when I was in college, 
my cousin came up to me and says, hey, my dad gave me a credit card. He said we can go anywhere we want for the Christmas break. Whoa. Yeah, the semester break. I was like, what? Okay. How about snow? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he, no lie, he got the credit card and we took off to Lake Tahoe, Nevada, which is absolutely beautiful. So at 19, it was the first time since I was like five, six, seven, or eight that I saw snow. And when we landed and got in snow, I literally just jumped in the snow (laughs) outside the airport. But you had a coat on that time. And started doing snow angels. And then I beat my cousin in a snowball fight. Yeah. Yeah. You must have very tall snow angels. They're big. They're, they're, yeah. And then when I expand my arms, way <laughs> oh my out gosh, here, you're doing it right now. You yeah. got a huge arm. Yeah. Reach. My, my wingspan <laughs> is like six, eight. That is amazing. Yeah. So big angels. That's awesome. Everybody needs a big angel. Yeah. So we literally just landed, went to the hotel, put on like coats or whatever, which all we had were like camouflage jackets. <laughs> of course. <laughs> from Louisiana. <laughs> from Louisiana. Never been in the snow. And the only time it gets cold is, you know, like during. Uh, hunting season or whatever. That's yeah. all you really have. So anyway, we just rented skis and went down the mountain and literally fell down the mountain <laughs> the whole way. And I found myself wrapped up in this like, you know, plastic fencing with skis and poles everywhere <laughs> laying in the snow and thinking, this is the best time of my life. For ever. Louisiana boy, that's pretty good. It is. That's heaven. It is. It is. But I remember falling down that mountain. It was It was scary. What, you have a greatest fear. Like, do you have like this thing like you're you're like really afraid of? Yeah, so it kind of comes up whenever my family's involved. Actually, when we were driving up one of these windy mountains with no guardrails, yeah, because we were going to a canyon. Right. It just said canyon this way. It didn't say like death defying twelve passenger van drive this way. Right? right. So we're driving. The way up wasn't so bad, but then the way down. Before we started, I had all these scenarios going on in my head, like flying off the mountain, right, and like what I would do to try to save at least one of them and you know, <laughs> one. It's just bad. So heights, but when I well heights in a van and snow, losing is that control, your fear? losing control when my family's involved, whether it's in a vehicle or whatever. But like I don't have control over the situation. That yeah, that scares me. Apparently, so does that spill over into other areas? Like you don't have control over this show. Like you don't know what I'm going to say next. But my family's Are not involved like, now. If my kids were on air with you, I might get scared of that. Okay, I, I trust you. I trust you, sir. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have you know some fears really afraid of like really high heights and I've done some things to conquer that. You really? Know, yeah, like bungee jumped and stuff like that, which is weird because it doesn't work. I mean, it's you ironic do it. for a tall man to be scared of heights. No, it's actually different because when, when, when you're the, like the taller you are, the, the less like control you have when you're falling, you're just, yeah. just, you're bigger. Anyway, I was reading this article. I think this conquers all my fear. I mean, this, this is like, now my greatest fear oh yeah so this little kid uh 10 years old is surfing and a great white shark comes up from behind him and they get a picture so basically the shark is photobombing the kid oh my gosh yeah that to me on a surfboard in the middle of the ocean with like a thousand two thousand pound animal whatever it is (laughs) coming up with a mouth that would scare me. Was the kid okay? Yeah, he made it. Like the shark just like jumped up and then went back into the water. Are you serious? And the kid made it back oh in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that wins. <laughs> that wins. What would you do if you were... Well, first of all, have you ever actually surfed? I have. Okay. Yeah. But 
but on the on the west coast, I don't know if there's a lot of sharks like on the coast of California and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. There's just a, a lot of lattes. Um, well, what would you do if if <laughs> if you're surfing? I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I would freak out. There's, it's out of con- you're out of control. There's nothing you could do. I mean, you could swim. Would but you like try to beat it? Would you try to hit it or something? I heard that if if you are in that moment, the thing to do is like punch <laughs> <laughs> the shark in the nose. That would be quite a scenario. Seeing you try to punch a shark in the nose, like in the nose. I don't know if it's sensitive there. See, I could see you like punching and kicking. Like I'm a I'm gonna try everything to get that nose. Yeah, but once it like just chomps your leg off, then you're, I mean, what do you do? You see what I'm saying? So that is that is a fear of mine. But you know, I'm reminded in Scripture that you know, fear not, mm-hmm. the Lord is with you. It's true. You know, even if you know a shark is after you. <laughs> is that in Scripture? What, what book was that in? The, I don't the know. Shark one. I don't know. <laughs> you think there were sharks when the disciples were in the boat and the waves were tossing them all about? I don't know about sharks, in, but in there a were sea ghosts. Of Ah. You said that was interesting. Like, they didn't know it was Jesus, Mm -hmm. but they were in fear. And so they yelled ghost, which makes me wonder, were there already ghosts? Like, did they know about ghosts? Hmm. That is interesting. You know, because their first reaction was, you know, they were afraid, and they yelled, what, it must be a ghost. So they yelled, it's a ghost. Yeah. And Jesus is like, it's not a ghost. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) He's got a latte in his hand. (laughs) You know, coming out to the beach. Oh, man. You know. Wow. You're really making Scripture come alive right now, Paul. No, this but really. <laughs> but what I do love about that passage and that Scripture is, you know, it, it's normal to be afraid. Mm. And there's normal in, in times of life to be fearful of things. Um, heights, uh, you know, control, whatever. But it's, it, it's certainly normal to be fearful of things that life just deals us. Mm. Death, anxiety, worry, jobs, money, uh, kids, right? Family, mm. responsibility, all those things are normal. Here's what I love about the passage of when the disciples are in the boat on the water and the storm comes. There's a couple of versions of that scripture, right? And they yell, it's a ghost. And Jesus doesn't stand idly by on the shore or in the middle and say, y'all figure it out. <laughs> and when you do... I will, you know, like the guessing game, Jesus moves into their fear, into their worry, into their anxiety. He moves into the storm, and he calms the storm as he moves into it, right? And that's the beauty of the God that we serve is that he moves into our fears, our anxieties, our worries, whether we're flying down a mountain in a 12-seater van, (laughs) we're bungee jumping, we're surfing, or if we're dealing with the normal day-to-day things that life you know, throws at us that actually we do worry and we fear about, right? Because it's, it's a normal human reaction. And it's interesting that Jesus calms that fear by coming into it. And so uh, we got a great show today, Adam. I'm excited. The guy who got me started what? in Catholic Radio what? will be our guest today. Awesome. Yeah. We'll be right back. It's Paul George Show.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you. I've got the guy who started me out in radio, Father Bryce Sibley. How are you? Hey, Paul. What's up? It's good to be back. I know. It's so like it's, it's Tonto and uh, Tar- not Tonto and Tarzan. It's Tonto and the Lone Ranger. That's right. Well, you were the Lone Ranger, so we had a show, the Padre and Paul show. I was your co-host for two years. We did a show together. And it was a national phenomenon. I think we had like five listeners. Yeah, it was, it was, it was completely a national phenomenon. <laughs> Hopefully our five listeners are listening today. <laughs> Probably. They've just transitioned right right with us. So anyway, you're busy. A lot of the reasons that you can't do the show with me anymore. Uh, you work at the University of Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajun Catholics. You guys are super busy working with college students. As a matter of fact, Father... You guys are in the midst of a capital campaign to build a new building because the ministry's grown so much, right? Yeah, we are. We're still working, uh, hoping to to have wisdom for every generation uh, to be able to expand our facilities, to actually build new facilities, because uh, we've been so blessed with the growth that we've seen here on campus. Yeah, so we have a lot of listeners in our area, Father, and then nationally. So you can you can follow Father at, at Father Bryce Sibley on Twitter or RagingCajunCatholics.org, you can find out information about campus ministry. UL Lafayette, Raging Cajun Catholic is like top five campus ministries in the country. You and I worked together there for years, and it's phenomenal. Father, you and I have had many conversations about the struggle of, of you know, this young adult life and college life and living your faith. What, what would you say are some of those unique kind of struggles for students that you see today? You know, th- this is something, Paul, that I've been seeing a lot. Let's say or in the past several months, or maybe it's just something that's been there, but I'm really noticing, not only in, in college-age students, but also young adults. Here, particularly women. So we'll do a little, little quiz for you. Okay. Paul, what would you say is the greatest fear that most college-age girls and young adult women have today? What's their greatest fear? Well, I would say, which is so funny because we've just gone back to our old style of show where you're hosting and I'm the co-host. I love this. I would say their vocation is yes. their greatest fear of, of not, not knowing or, or, or entering into their vocation, getting married or something like that. It, that is ultimately it. I mean, it is. You, you put it in a much broader sense. Okay. It's a being alone and, and not getting married. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like ultimate, ultimately, like, they will miss their opportunity, they'll miss their chance, uh, and they will remain alone. Okay. And, and I'm really dealing with this a lot. It's a, it's uh, a big deal. It really is. Now... So it's very easy to say, oh, no, you're a beautiful young woman, you're smart, you're intelligent, you'll find the right man. And that sounds nice, but the truth is, Paul, sometimes Lizzie Bennett does not find Mr. Darcy. Right. There's a little pride and prejudice uh, yep. quote there. Because the truth is, it is right now, at least let's, let's say in the Catholic sphere, you've been to enough of our events Girls outnumber guys two to th- or three to one yep. at a different event. Yeah, and, and, and so, this is across the board, the, you know, it, around the country. It is. So, so what happens is the girls have fewer guys to choose from. 
And so what ends up happening is, A, a lot of the girls expend their energy by doing what we call compare and despair. They mm. compare themselves to the other girls. I'm not as pretty as she is. I'll never get a boyfriend. Or they do something, which I guess is maybe rooted in evolutionary biology. They, they compete with each other yep. and tear each other down. They fight. And so, but the other reality is, is a lot of the times the guys out there who may be involved simply aren't going to make good mates necessarily, or they're not interested in them because the guys like are playing Pokemon when they're 23. <laughs> <laughs> or on the guys' parts, they don't know how to, to, to woo a woman. They don't know how to, how to, to, to uh, not aggressively, but how to, to be insistent in reaching out to them and entering into a relationship and how to make commitments. And so the truth is, and I tell them, some of you may not get married. That's the reality. Mm -hmm. Uh... And so that's facing that truth, having them learn to be able to keep their peace, but still do everything they can to move towards uh, marriage and, and, and hopefully a happy marriage with a proper mate. Now, Father, you and I have been around long enough and in ministry long enough to know that years and years ago, we hit a major vocational crisis with the priesthood, right? And we're yeah. certainly not fully out of that, but vocations have trended up, you know, over the past 20 years. Would, would, is it fair for me to say or to ask you that we are in the midst of a vocational crisis when it comes to marriage uh, with young adults? Uh, I mean, a part of me wants to say yes, because I see and we hear so much about the lack of commitment, the lack mm -hmm. of maturity. But yet, Paul, this year, I'm doing myself 16 weddings. Right. Right. But as you were saying, so, like, the numbers don't lie when it comes to the numbers of women who are involved in their faith compared to the number of guys. It simply does not add up. It doesn't match. So, so it doesn't. So what happens, the yeah. girl will often settle for a guy who really uh, isn't of her caliber and, and or, you know, doesn't share the same values, doesn't share the same faith. And there's a chance that guy may convert and, and, and build up to her level, but quite often that doesn't happen, and she's miserable. Hmm. Or we find that a lot of people get married later because the guy mm -hmm. maybe doesn't mature till he's 30 or 35 and wakes up one day and says, oh, I think I should get married. But boy, there, there are a lot fewer guys by then, even fewer than they were before. Yeah. And you know how it is. When you get married when you're that much older, it has their benefits, but also... You have a lot of your habits that are just sort of settled in and having to all of a sudden live with and be married to someone else who's often a fair bit older with, with personality and habits set in. And there can be a lot of challenges there. All right. So what advice would you give to young women who obviously are discerning their vocation, that they even feel in call to the married life? But, you know, like what advice would you give them to not hyper-focus on that in the meantime? Well, that's a good question, and Paul, I'm, I'm going to phrase it in a, like maybe a little bit larger uh, sphere. First of all, I, I, my big thing is I wonder, and again, I maybe need to do some research on this, is when it comes to the women who maybe, if they think there's a personality issue, they're not beautiful enough, they're not smart enough, uh, they're not marriage material, what their relationship with their father was like. Mm. Did their father compliment them, tell them they were beautiful, they feel experienced love by their father. I'd imagine a lot of them haven't, even though I met many who have and still deal with that same compare and despair. Uh, so that, that is a real issue. 
Number two, I would suggest be very careful about your interaction on social media. I mean, that is something that's really, really real, where you're constantly comparing likes and pictures and stuff on Facebook and comparing yourself to other girls, and that's uh, not going to be very healthy at all. Hmm. The third thing, and this advice comes from a young woman who I know to be very wise uh, in, in, in the ways of spirituality, is she suggested me telling young women not to live life waiting around for this perfect guy to come, mm. and then all of a sudden life is going to start happening. Start living now. Mm. Start trusting in the Lord now, um, and giving yourself to other people, uh, cooking, uh, being with your friends, um, you know, sharing things with them, and just and then not despairing in the present moment. I love of that. Of course, I think. Prayer, I love that. Prayer is going to be very important. Yeah. Live, live your life now and don't worry about it. God will take care of the rest. So what, what advice would you have to, to young men who are, or who are listening, who are thinking, yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing? Well, I think that's the first, like I gave a lot of advice to young men. First of all, quit playing Pokemon, especially in public. <laughs> you know, quit, yeah. quit playing video games in general. Quit playing video games. Take a bath, you know, proper hygiene. But, but this is, the, the, I think the real thing is uh, much more complicated, is, fellas, learn how to be aware of women's emotions, of what they're thinking, what they're feeling, paying attention to them, being able to read the signs, mm. instead of being completely oblivious. Right. Um, and again, this is difficult to do, but to be able to, to sense things, and to be able to ask how they're doing, um, and to be able to sort of show genuine interest in them and who they are, particularly when you go out on a date. Not just like, hey, bruh, uh, hey, you know, talking to your girlfriend on the date about your protein shakes and, and the great leg day you had at the workout. <laughs> See, they do not care to hit to talk about that. Talk about them. It's, it's just like learning how to be charming, learning how to be suave, and Learning how not to be an idiot, basically. So, so grow up, basically, and stop thinking about yourself, and start thinking about the people around you. It is, but there's a skill set of like learning how to like, you know, pay attention to a woman, to 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 build her up, um, to make her feel loved. The word in these discussions that I've been having with with students, that I think comes up so important for guys and girls is belonging. Mm. We as humans want to feel like we belong to someone or to a group. And so the challenge is, is for the women to feel like they belong uh, to their fathers, they love them, to friends who build them up and not turn them down, and for the guy to make the girl feels, feel like she belongs. Uh, these things are very important. But ultimately, I think, though, Paul, it's going to really end up being more the responsibility of the woman to lift the man up or to encourage him to go higher. Uh, because otherwise she stays where she is and the guy stays where he is kind of a little bit lower, maybe a little bit less mature. And that's what I see. These guys are usually less mature at this age. Um, and nothing happens. The girl brings herself down to the guy's level and that doesn't work. But I think the girl, the real responsibility and the onus falls in the girl's shoulders to learn to lift that guy up to her level Amen. or a little higher. All right, when we come back, talking to Father Bryce Sibley, we're going to talk about some controversial issues in our next segment. We'll be right back. Paul George Show.
Welcome back to the show. Paul George here with Father Bryce Sibley, pastor and chaplain at Raging Cajun Catholics, Our Lady of Wisdom. You can find him on Twitter at Father Bryce Sibley. Father, you've been tweeting a lot lately. It's been nice. Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been experimenting, Paul, like uh, trying to figure out what makes a successful tweet right. and how, like, how like you can get a lot of like retweets. Yeah, I'm horrible at it. Yeah, I have Twitter. I'm horrible at it. I send some things at it. But speaking of Twitter and social media, Father, you and I are on it. Um, our country's been going through a lot of transition. I have never seen a time and a moment with so many controversial issues on social media and people talking and whatnot. You live and work on a college campus. These topics are huge on that campus. What's going on? Talk to me about this. Well, I see it, Paul, not just on a college campus, but in general, you know, the election, the stuff leading up to the election, all of the, the arguing and the polemics between Trump and Clinton. Yeah. And, of course, Trump, Trump wins, and then there's all this angst and anxiety from the people who are against him, mm-hmm. the people who are for him. Sort of like, say, we have the White House back after eight years. Here's our guy; he's going to stand for us. And then, since his inauguration, the Women's March, the, the the executive order on immigration, all of this stuff right. has led to just a lot of bickering and fighting um, and arguing on social media and in real life. And what I've seen is, boy, it's really more drama than dialogue. Right. More yeah. drama than dialogue. Um, and so what I'm trying to do with the students is hopefully through preaching and teaching, encouraging them like, to, to engage and discuss, but to do so, I preached about it last weekend, following the Beatitudes and the way they talk to others and having that humble attitude rather than being a jerk, um, but also thirsting for righteousness, you know, wanting what's right, but being open to understanding other opinions and really entering into dialogue. And a lot of this is about changing one's attitude, but also kind of knowing certain things uh, that are important for logical discourse and dialogue, particularly about controversial issues. So where it just doesn't become a shouting match or, or, or saying things that are just plainly illogical and, and really do not help uh, anyone move towards the truth or, or reconciliation. Yeah, I think... You know, we live in a time, social media, where everyone's an expert. And Oh, everybody. It's all of a sudden, in the past week, Paul, the whole nation has become an expert on immigration law. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah, and, and nobody, what I find, not nobody, but a lot of people just post stuff out of emotion, uh, but with, without really researching um, the real issue and, like, what's going on. So that everything's just posted. People are arguing. What, what is our role as Christians, as Catholics, as we, you know, are inundated with these, you know, these hot topics in our world? Like, how do we approach these and dialogue about them? Well, first of all, Paul, I would suggest people maybe going to, to my Facebook page or my YouTube page or Twitter feed and listening to a homily from last week called uh, A Blueprint for Discussing Politics, Okay, where I really try to take the... Um, the the Beatitudes and sort of spell it out, how it gives a blueprint. There's so many different things, and, and looking at Facebook and, and looking at social media and people exactly posting arguments and 
and letting their emotions get to them that really make it difficult for us, whether we stand on one side or the other of any of these controversial issues, to get anywhere. The first is exact. I reiterate exactly what you said. People quit having so much drama and histrionics. Right. When you start losing your mind, uh, particularly in public, over all kind of things that you disagree with, no one's going to take you seriously, right. or no one should take you seriously. So basically, let's say that you are passionate about women's rights, but you're going to go in public dressed as a body part and, and put all these foul words on a sign, no one really should take you seriously. Right. You are exhibiting attention-seeking behavior, and I'm going to completely discredit you. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't, but there's a much deeper issue that seems to be there. So histrionics doesn't help, particularly on Facebook, you know, condemning people and saying it's the end of the world. And that's, that doesn't have a place. Another thing, and I posted this, an article on Facebook yesterday and on Twitter, um, particularly with the immigration issue. And again, we're not going to talk about the immigration issue or the executive order particularly, a lot of people putting uh, stories about people they know or, or people from the countries that li- the seven countries listed who have had struggles coming into the United States and had to spend 20 hours at the airport. This is important for us to read because it puts a, a face on the problem. Right. But we can't forget narratives aren't arguments. The narrative of someone's struggle or the narrative of the difficulty with this or with abortion or with any kind of issue, it's important for us to know, but it doesn't make an argument. It doesn't show why your policy is right or wrong. Gotcha. So we got to move away. I'm saying we, 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 we can present those. We've got to make sure we realize they're not logical arguments. One of the worst things that I've seen, particularly, again, over the, the, the immigration issue, is people spouting off Bible quotes. Jesus said to love our, our, our neighbor, or he said, whatever you've done for the, the least of me, you've, you've done for, at least of mine, you've done to me. That's all great and wonderful, but, and it shows what our personal attitude should be, but it doesn't mean that one Bible quote, you're going to erect public policy over it. It's mm. a little bit more complex than that. Right. Nor, and again, I've seen this also, particularly from one individual who got a lot of shares from a video online about how the church's stance on this is, you know, Jesus would have welcomed the immigrant, and, you know, the church says to welcome the refugee, and you're not doing it, so you're terrible. Right. Okay, whether or not you like the policy or not, whether it's good or bad, that's called erecting a straw man. It's basically sort of making the other person's position like, oh, this person's, the whole position is, he doesn't like the refugee, and therefore he's wrong. Right. There's a little bit more nuance and complexity, and doing those types of things, erecting straw men and tearing them down without really looking at what the other person is saying, or, God forbid, without really reading and analyzing the executive order here, or, or whatever is happening that's so controversial, isn't helping the dialogue at all. Right. Yeah, it seems that, at least for... For us as Catholics, particularly people who are practicing the Catholic faith and are passionate about it, there's oftentimes in these tough issues, Father, that people feel kind of in between. They feel kind of pinched, you know, with the immigration issue or whatever the case may be, with the policy of a nation and then the teaching of the church. And a lot of people just don't know what, you know, is real and true and what what to do or what to say. And so they just take one side or the other, right? Right. Um, so they just jump into the policy realm 
are they just jumping into fully like you know the teaching of of the church realm and and and, and they just kind of get lost in it. Yeah, and and it, it, it again it doesn't help or service your cause at all because you're not looking at what the church really teaches. Uh, the church is, uh, there's uh, there's years of developing a theology or, or social teaching that that is I don't even fully understand it at all. Right. Someone who studied it uh, ethics for all, uh, for years hasn't understood it at all. Chances are you understanding it perfectly because you read one Facebook post. Probably not. Right. Um, and so again, we just don't defend or attack just because we, we have our own personal prejudices, and it's very easy for us to find articles, oh, I agree with this article, because basically all it's doing is reinforcing my belief, right. instead of really looking at what the other side says. Because the truth is, and I mentioned this at the, this weekend, abortion is a Catholic issue. It's pretty cut and dry. Right. You shouldn't kill innocent children in the womb. Um, and, and pretty easy. This shouldn't be legal. It's not good. Granted, we need to change people's hearts. But there's not a lot of gray room in the middle. Hmm. When it comes to immigration, we need to care about the refugee. We, we need to care about the immigrant and, and help them to, to find good work. But on the other hand, the country has the right to, to, to secure its borders, to vet those who are coming into the country. But those two extremes, there's a lot of gray area in the yeah. middle. Yeah. How it's going to be done... Different countries may do it different ways. Uh, they may do it at different times of their country's history. So just to say, well, Jesus says to welcome the refugee. Well, that's not that's not good enough. Or it's not good enough to say, oh, well, we have uh, we need to secure our borders. There've been terrorist attacks, so this is okay. That doesn't work either. Right. You know, the ends don't always justify the means. You've exactly. got to look at the policy. You've got to look at the argument, and to realize, hey, none of us are really probably immigration lawyers. Right. On this issue, or some of us may not know all the nuances of public policy when it comes to abortion or war or whatever. But all of a sudden, Facebook makes you an expert. Yeah. So with 30 seconds left, Father, what advice would you give people listening on how to deal with this? Well, first of all, I'd probably suggest posting videos of, like, dogs and puppies instead of so, uh, politics. It might make life go a lot easier. Right. <laughs> Second, you know, think before you post. How about that? Think before you post. Do research, um, and then third and finally, do so in a spirit of charity, yeah. not in a spirit of haughtiness or pride. Really try to look for the truth and to respect others' opinions. Yeah, and and if you have someone on your Facebook page who's a jerk, then you can all of a sudden unfriend them or block them. Yeah, and do all this in the spirit of prayer, right, so that, oh, yeah. that Christ is, is leading you. Anyway, Father, we got to do this again, man. We were a dynamic du duo back in the day. We have great faces for radio, so we got to do it again. We do. All right, Paul, it's been great being with you. All right, Father, have a good one. Thanks so much at Father Bryce Sibley, RagingCajunCatholics.org. Have a good one, man. All right. Talk to you later. God bless.
Welcome back to the show, Paul George in studio. Adam Conk, you've been quiet over there. Hey, Paul. That was fun. That was fun hearing you two go, you know, discuss stuff. Yeah, old school. Old Father school. Bryce Sibley. We used to do a show on the Padre and Paul show. So anyway, uh, wow, what an interview, man. Yeah. Um, so what'd you learn on the show today? Well, I learned that apparently Father Sibley, which I've known him for a while, and right. I know he's an expert in a lot of things, but I have to add to the list he's an expert on female emotions. Dating, apparently. <laughs> Dating and feeling female emotions. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, I guess when you work on a college campus and you're dealing with a bunch of young adults, I mean, you're right. in the middle of it. He's you know? an expert, so I'll keep that in mind as my girls get older. What did you learn, Paul? Here's what I learned today, Adam. I learned, one, that, that you're afraid of driving down a mountain <laughs> in a van in the snow with your family. Yeah. And the good thing is is that the majority of your life here in Louisiana, you have to worry about none of those things. Right. A mountain, just stay here, a snow, driving down any hill, There's there are none. Right. And here's what else I learned. I learned that Father Sibley is a lot smarter than I am, mm. ever. Yeah. yeah. He's a smart fellow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad he's on our side. Yeah, I mean, he studied ethics and all that. I, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we had a good conversation, but, you know, a lot of those topics, he's, he's well just versed in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and stuff. So that's what I learned today. Very cool. Yeah. All right, so why don't we go into our six-pack of questions Question. All right. So, question number one. Yeah. When did you first meet Father Sibley? Because he's famous for having memorable first meetings. Like when you meet Father Sibley, you usually remember it. So, when did you meet him? Yeah. So the first time I met him, my my, my wife knew him before I did. But you know, we we moved away. First time I met him was in two thousand. Ooh, you remember the year? And 11, maybe. Okay. So I went to um, a concert, Matt Marr, a friend of mine, and Father Bryce Sibley in the campus was hosting it. Is that when you met? And so then after um, we met um, at sort of an after dinner drinking scotch. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. That's a cool He's like, I've heard of you, but I didn't know you. (laughs) Good to finally meet you. Is that what he sounded like? Something like that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All right. Qu- question number two. Um, he mentioned 23-year-old men playing Pokemon and things like that. Do you still have any adolescent habits? Do I still have any? Um, <laughs> let's see. I, I I love I love playing outside. Okay. Like So, like, it might be weird if you came over to my house and I will be playing basketball, kicking a football, um, jumping on the trampoline. Nice. Jumping on trampoline. And my, my kids might not even be with me, so that's what you need to know. <laughs> so in that case, yeah, very, I guess, adolescent. And plus, an odd fact, I love doing puzzles. Okay. I didn't know that. It just completely gets me away. Really? Yeah. H- how it's often cool. are you puzzling? Not often, but if there's one around, like, like, I'll get into it. That is awesome. That's good to know. Yeah. All right. Question number three. So, Father mentioned something interesting about there's a skill set to relating to women. Mm-hmm. And you have women in your life, and you seem to relate well to them. So, how did you learn this skill set? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, so married, and then I have three daughters and sons. So, we got, you know, four girls in the house. I don't always feel like I'm the best at it. You know, I think just the art of listening, I think, is huge. 
mm-hmm. just being present and listening. But I think that's a great characteristic of, of who God is as Father. God is always there. He shows up and he listens to us. And I, I think early on in my marriage, I didn't do a good job listening all the time. You know, I remember Gretchen saying, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm like, apparently, you know. <laughs> um, and so just being present and listening, I think, is, is a huge virtue and a characteristic. We don't always have to understand the other person to hear them or listen. Sometimes we might not ever understand what they're saying. And I think oftentimes as men and women, we think completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we think in different boxes and in different ways. And when my wife and I do budget, we, we do math different. We get to problems differently. We solve issues differently. We say things differently. And sometimes it's okay to say, I will never understand how you do that or why or what or what you mean. But I can listen and I can honor you and I can respect that part of you. So that, that to me is just over time. It's just saying, this is something I want to learn to do. And I think as men, if we put our mind to it, we can do it. Very cool. All right, number four. Y'all talked a good bit about not being a jerk on Facebook and other social medias. Have you ever gotten into one of these Facebook battles where, like, somebody brings up a topic that really gets you going and then you... Never. I can't do it. I literally just can't argue on social media. This is interesting. Uh, Because, one, I don't think you could fully say what you mean. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people can see uh, your face. And I think it is important to eventually pick up the phone and dialogue. Because I think, you know, you could post something or say something and get your point across. But to dialogue back and forth on social media, I just can't get into it because I just don't think it ever works. Maybe people are better at it, mm-hmm. you know. But I just don't see there's ever a resolution to it. Yeah. And so I think... To, to get to a resolution, you have to dialogue back and forth to come to a place where you can s- at least agree to disagree without yeah. being angry. This is interesting because I've noticed some people like yourself ha- have intentionally chosen to just not participate in that kind of culture, yeah. which is growing. It is growing. And it's not that I don't want to be in dialogue with people or I don't care about the issues because uh, there's probably no issue outside of abortion Catholic, you know, tough issue than the immigration issue for me. Passionate about it. I've done mission work over the borders. I understand both sides. Um, But I just, um, the stuff that goes on on social media, it it just distracts me from what's really at play. And I just can't do it. Some people are better at it. And and like I said, it's like some people don't have a radio show, you know, or they Mm -hmm. don't. There's just not a way for me to really fully accomplish what I think could be accomplished. I'm horrible at the social media thing. <laughs> so I, I speak truth, but I, I don't get in the middle of people's arguments. I just can't do it. Awesome. I think that's... Do you? Are you better at it? <sighs> no, I mean, like... I like Father Sibley's. Like, post a picture of, like, a happy puppy. <laughs> like, like start bringing some joy to the world. Because social media right now is depressing. Yeah. Like, you long on a Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, and for the most part, it's just really depressing because people are constantly at it. And it's like, you know, like, can we can we just be happy for a moment? Yeah, especially if they're people you know and, like, they're both good Catholics or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's really depressing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So. More it, puppies. Yeah. So question number five. Do you shy away from conflict or not? And it's kind of two questions. Mm-hmm. And what are some ways you found that actually help? 
make conflict productive? Yeah, conflicts, you know, I, I've i never been a big on conflict in a sense. Like when I first got married, like I didn't even know how to have conflict. Because mm. I, I think engaging in conflict and dialogue is something that you learn. I think certainly it could be part of your personality. But I think it's it's a learned trait, you know. And so I learned to... Uh, to enter into confrontation to things that matter um, to me mm-hmm. and uh, and to dialogue about them. So in my marriage, if there's if there's some conflict that we need to do or with my kids or with friends, I'm not going to ignore it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to face it head on and deal with it. And then there's some things that just don't bother me and and they don't make a difference. And so the conflict's just not there. Yeah. Well, so, so how do you do this? How, what's the art of that you've learned of productive conflict? I think the art of productive conflict is just facing it and just and not not arguing but dialoguing so don't ignore it just face it so if there's a conflict in your marriage something that's when you think of conflict think of something that's unresolved Mm -hmm. what's an issue that's unresolved in a friendship in your marriage in in a working relationship whatever if there's unresolved issue that's where the conflict is and so to resolve the issue is to face it let me face the, the issue and let me resolve it with the person by talking it out and dialoguing with it. That's how you face conflict and deal with it. Awesome. And ultimately, the end goal is resolution. Now, certainly with all this stuff of arguing and stuff, maybe we'll never resolve with someone and we'll agree to disagree, but we can agree to love each other. And there's resolve in that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. All right, question number six. So Father mentioned his advice of posting more like cat videos and dog videos in, instead of politically charged statements. Have you ever lost it watching an animal video? And by that I mean just laughing and laughing. No. So I, I animals don't get you? No, I'm not no. So what does get you? Have you ever lost it over a social media video? There was this one social media video where it was like this little baby was like laughing, really hysterical. And that made me laugh. <laughs> that made me laugh. But I usually laugh at people hurting themselves. Really? Yeah, and it's horrible. <laughs> I shouldn't do it. But if you were going to send me something of like, you know, an old woman crossing the street and falling, I would laugh. <laughs> and it's horrible, I know. Or a kid skateboarding and getting like hit by a tree or I would just laugh. So those are the things. And you're ashamed of this? I'm not really ashamed, but I, th- I feel bad about it. Is there a difference Isn't between feeling definition? bad and shame? <laughs> no, I have a clear conscience, sort of, I guess. Are, are there things that, that, that you laugh at? Uh, pretty much all of it. Hurting people, animals. Like, I would laugh if there was a video of you driving down the mountain in your van in the snow. <laughs> Not falling off the mountain, but like right. you just like, you know, squeezing the steering wheel. It was like that, yeah. Nervously going down. Like, I would think that was so hysterical. And if I was in the van with you, I would have been heckling you the whole time. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Well, I appreciate that, Paul. Very encouraging. Yeah. So anyway, great show today. Lots of cool topics. You can find the show on iTunes or Google Play on the website, paulgeorge.la. Adam, thanks so much, man. It's a great show. Thanks to Father Bryce Sibley as well. It's the Paul George Show. We'll be back next week. God bless. <laughs>